Welcome to the very first episode of Hitting Pay Dirt by Impact Sports. I'm Alex Podry, and with me is my brother, Mike Corwin. How you doing, Mike? Yo, yo. Good. What's up, man? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Um, okay. Um, so who am I, and why the hell are we doing this podcast? Well, uh, I'm an NFLPA certified contract advisor, uh, which is a really fancy way of saying uh, I'm an NFL agent. Um, I want to do this podcast for a couple of different reasons. Um, first, I want to learn and get better. Talking about these things, I think, will make me a better agent. Um, it'll make me understand the game better, collective bargaining agreement, all of those things. Um, second, I want to help educate people who are either wanting to become an agent um, or who are interested in the agent business um, or want a behind-the-scenes look at football. And then lastly, I want this podcast to be um, an, a resource for NFL prospects as they go through the NFL draft process. Even if they choose someone else to rep them, I'm hoping that they'll be able to get um, some information from this that'll help them through that process. So those are the reasons why um, we're looking to start this podcast. So let's start with how do you become an agent? It's actually a pretty simple process. You apply, you pay 2,500 bucks, usually in the month of January, and then you wait and they'll do a background check. Um, as long as you have a law degree or a, a master's degree, um, you qualify and as you pass the background check, you'll get selected and you will attend a two day exam. It used to be in Washington DC, but now it's, um, it's virtual due to COVID. Um, so you sit through a seminar for a couple days and at the end of the seminar, you take an exam. So, you know, I mentioned law school. I graduated from, from law school in 2015. Um, when I was in law school, I went to Marquette. Uh, Marquette was one of only a handful of programs that had a sports law specific program. I think that's exploded in recent years. Um, but at the time Marquette was, I think it was Marquette and Tulane were the only two, if I'm remembering quite correctly. Um, so I studied amateur law, amateur sports law, professional sports law, um, <clears throat> labor law, intellectual property law. I, I did all of that with the intention of being an agent. I went to law school to do this. Um, now, after law school, took a little bit of a detour off the path um, and got a really good offer to go into the health insurance business. Um, so I've done that for the last six years. Um, I continue to do that today. Still got to pay bills. Um, so um, I'm doing that until I can get this off the ground. Um, and I'm, uh, made it all the way up to the vice president level with the current company that I'm with. So, um, that's a little bit about how I got here, how I became an agent. So I applied back in January of 2020 BC. Yes. Before, before COVID. Um, so once COVID hit, obviously the world kind of stopped, right? Um, the NFL PA based out of Washington, DC, um, Washington DC had a little bit more strict lockdowns, stricter restrictions on what you could and couldn't do. Um, the NFLPA tried everything. 
Uh, they just weren't quite ready to move to the virtual landscape. So they ended up not holding an agent seminar slash exam in the year of 2020. So I had to wait all the way from January of 2020 till about April or May of 2021 before I even found out that my application was accepted. So that was a long 16 months, um, but it was accepted. Um, took the seminar and the exam virtually in the beginning of August. And then... Yeah, what uh, kind of numbers Yeah, you know, for like people that take the test? Like so, pass, yeah, so usually... Um, there's about 250 or so agents that'll take the test every year. The average pass rate's 45%. This last year, because they kind of combined two classes, um, there were 454 candidates that took the exam and 176 passed. So that's a percentage of 38.8%. So this exam, I'm going to go ahead and say was the hardest exam that the NFLPA ever took gave and i'm saying that only because i passed um, i have no idea if that's actually true um but yeah it's it is a hard exam i think i think part of it too um you know all of the people who took the exam they are lawyers they're people with master's degrees the exam is three hours long it's 60 multiple choice questions and it's open book open note and i think for a lot of people who are naturally gifted and you know, again, master's degree lawyers probably thought, hey, I can get by by doing this, by just kind of going in and I'll look, I'll look up the answer, yeah. right? Um, and it's much more difficult than that. So if you're out there thinking of applying to take the exam, I would strongly encourage you get in depth with the CBA Make sure you understand it. Make sure you know where things are. So when you do have to look up an exam, you know exactly what section to look at. Um, the other thing is there are a ton of resources available to you. So there's like classes and things. Check out Inside the League. Neil Stratton over there, phenomenal. The program's really inexpensive. And you get access to study guides, practice questions, um, fantastic information. They, they helped me a lot and they give you access to other agents who have passed the test. So if you want to bounce ideas off, you want to walk through a question that doesn't make sense, whatever it might be, they were extremely helpful and no, I'm not paid by them to say that they're not a sponsor or anything. <laughs> um, it's just those, those yet. guys over there. Yeah. Yet. Um, it's just that those guys were, um, extremely helpful and I would encourage anybody who's seriously considering that, um, to look into it. So, um, I did pass the test, obviously wouldn't be doing this if I didn't. Um, so was it hard? Like, can we, can we talk about that for a second? Like, was the test like challenging when you took it? It, it was, um, it, the biggest thing with the test is to slow down and read the questions. Right. Um, a lot, uh, not a lot, a couple of the questions are written in a way that it seems obvious, but you need to kind of slow down and think for a moment before you get the answer. For the majority of the questions though, it's like recognizing the pattern that they're, what they're trying to get at, and then just knowing how to apply the rules. And again, I studied for months leading into it. And I think that's the right way to go about it. Um, take a little bit at a time, go through it, really understand it. Um, 
because it's important to understand how those different things work together and then just knowing where to go in this in the collective bargaining agreement so i thought it was fair if that's the right word like it was tough but i thought it was fair um but slow down and read because it's real easy especially multiple choice you're like there's almost one obvious answer that they want you to click that's not the right Mm -hmm. answer so just slow down read and then study it is open book it's open notes so the two-day seminar there the the nflpa proctors are very good about pointing out like hey this next section is going to be very important you should probably pay attention to what we're going to tell you. Well, that's probably going to be on the test, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they do teach the test a little bit. So between open book, open note, the seminar, as long as you're prepared going into it, I, I think you probably should be okay. If you go in thinking, I'm going to learn everything I need to know in the two-day seminar, and it's open book, open note, I think you're going to be swimming in deep water. I saw some people asking questions, and I was like, oh, my God, these people have no clue. And you just knew they had no shot because you can't learn all that information in two days. So, so now that I am certified as of October 1st, I'm a legit agent had to, uh, so you pay your fee, you pay your insurance fee, like 2,200 bucks, I think 2,500 bucks, something like that, um, to cover your liability, make sure you don't screw anything up. Now what, what, what's next, right? Um, so currently there are about 17% of the agents that represent 80% of the players. So say that again, 17% of agents rep about 80% of the players. So a very small number of agents represent a vast majority of the league. And it makes sense, right? They've been doing it a long time. They work for very good agencies. People kind of gravitate to them. I think last year, um, one of the agents over at Athletes First, David Mulligetta, and I believe I said, I'm saying his name correctly, he had like eight, eight players go in the first 60 picks or something like that. <clears throat> Stupid numbers. Wow. But, I mean, the guy's good. I mean, and that makes sense, right? Like you have volume, right? Like you have five other, right? You put yourself in one of their shoes, in anyone's shoes, right? Like you're getting recruited. You see five other guys that are going to go in the first two rounds of the draft. You pick this guy. Yeah. Well, it's it's like the network effect, right? I mean, he obviously has a system that works. He knows what he's doing. Um, and a track record. And a track record of I'm, of knowing, like, hey, if, if this guy's calling me, it's, it's it's legit. Not his first rodeo, right? Nope. Like he's got NFL players that I'm sure are successful in the league today. Oh, yeah, for sure. I want that. Absolutely. So it makes it easy to make a decision if you're coming out of college, you're a top, like, right, you're a blue yep. chip athlete, like, yeah, I want Dave. Who wouldn't? Right? Who wouldn't? Yep. Um, Maybe. On the flip side, something like half of agents don't represent any players. Um, so there's about a 1,000 or so NFL agents, and 500 of them don't have any current clients on a roster, whether that's because they are getting out of the practice or um, maybe they're just new like me and they're trying to find their first client, whatever it might be, there's about half that don't have um, a current client. So the last thing that I'm kind of up against here is if you don't negotiate an NFL contract in, th- in a three-year time window, whether that's your first three years or the middle three years, whatever it might be, if you don't negotiate an NFL contract in three years, you lose your certification. So you have to go all the way back to the beginning. You have to reapply, retake the test. Um, 
that's probably the biggest like cloud hanging over me, right? Does that 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 clock is ticking? And like it started. Right? It started, and uh, your first year is hard for a lot of different reasons, which we'll get into. But also, you start later. I, you know, a new agent, my class that just that just took the test with me in August. You don't get certified till October first. You know, to get out there, hit the ground running between now and to try and sign a kid when his season ends in December or January. That's not a lot of time to build that relationship and, and, and get that, that relationship off the ground and going. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's something that I definitely think about quite a bit. So for, for new agents out there like myself, I think there's two major barriers to entry. The first is reputation. Like we kind of just talked about, right? Unknown commodity. Um, these kids have worked their entire lives to get to this point whether they're going to be a first round pick or potentially be an undrafted free agent and try and walk onto a a training camp somewhere. They've put in hours and hours and years of dedication and effort just to get to that point. Their entire lives to an extent are in their agent's hands, right? Can you get me on the right team? If I get to a team, how do I stay on that team? I don't blame them for being a little bit weary of a guy like myself who has no experience to get them to trust me and to figure out, you know, is this guy right for me? I mean, I I can only imagine how difficult of a decision that would be. So, um, you know, not having any experience, not having any current clients, uh, that is probably the biggest uphill battle. Um, One other quick side note on that. I've heard some stories that even – Agents who've had personal relationships with players, maybe they roomed with them in college, you know, maybe they dated their sister, whatever. Uh, so they went and decided to be an agent because they're going to rep this kid, and this kid might be a first or second round pick, and they're thinking their first client's going to be, you know, this guy because they know them. I've heard of players ghosting those people, like completely losing, like just losing their person's number and saying, yeah, I'm going to go with agent xyz who actually has nfl players because ending a friendship ending a friendship but it's business and it's these people it's these kids lives you know um it's a cold business man it's cold when players get hurt and get cut and it's cold you know when that guy you knew for years that you thought was going to be your first client decides to go with one of the bigger agencies so um yeah the tough 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 the other barrier is recruiting costs, right? Um, so pretty much every kid has some expectation of having their pre-combine or pre-pro day training paid for by their agent. Um, and that can cost, depending on where you go, between thirty dollars and $50,000. Um, if you're a really good player, you might have agents offering you a per diem, you know, per day payment, uh, housing, rental cars, food. I mean, it's basically like an all expenses trip paid for a couple months while you train for the combine. Not a bad deal if you can get it. Um, I would encourage players to think about that though. Like don't just go to the agent who's going to give you the most perks. Think about it. You're going to be tied to this guy. And after you sign your NFL contract, your first contract, if he's the one who negotiated, he or she is the one who negotiated that deal. He's still going to get a cut of that. So like really think about what you're getting in value versus are you just going to the highest bidder, right? So, so do you want to touch on like 
a little bit of like the the, the salary of somebody who is like maybe undrafted versus like you're coming out in the first round and like the structure behind that yeah yeah um so let's take a look at if you are maybe a late round guy or an undrafted free agent Mm -hmm. and let's assume you make the 53 man roster which is not a guarantee but let's assume you do you're going to be making the league minimum you're gonna have a signing bonus which will boost that up a little bit but you're gonna be making if you're a rookie this year 660k um commissions at the maximum of three percent that's a commissions of nineteen thousand eight hundred dollars so if you're asking your agent to pay for you know per diems and training and whatever else like think about it from your agent's perspective you know if i give you ten to fifteen thousand dollars in training profits already you know down to five, maybe 10 K and I haven't even started working yet. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, think about it from that perspective. And again, don't just go to the highest bidder. Like, yes, it's nice to get your training paid for. I, I can't necessarily blame kids for going that route, but then are you getting an agent who's competent, mm-hmm. who's going to take your relationship seriously, who's in this for the long haul, or are you just going to the guy or gal who's going to give you the most dollars? And would just maybe wants a quick buck. Like maybe intentions like aren't there. Yeah. Um, my mind goes to Lenny Cook and that documentary. Have you ever heard of it? Uh-uh. So quick backstory. Lenny Cook was the top draft prospect in the NBA. In the oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. So he was the number one prospect in lebron's class so lebron was number two um and lenny cook ended up signing with an agent that at some point um i can't you'll have to watch the documentary but basically like he signed with an agent that gave him like x amount of money before he started going to college and he became eligible for the draft i think lebron james was one of the last draft years where he could come out straight Straight out of of high high school school. but if you declared for the draft and you don't get drafted you can't go to college and you couldn't play in the ncaa at that time so he signed with this guy they gave him x amount of money up front like i think it was a hundred thousand like two hundred thousand dollars right like you're 17 it's a lot of money life-changing money uh, for for a period of time, right? Yep. Yep. Now look at where the two are. LeBron James is going to be a billion dollar athlete. Um, Lenny Cook, like yeah, I didn't even recognize who, the name, right? Uh, just <clears throat> just caution, right? Like not everyone's well intentioned. Like make sure you put all of the information together, and like yeah, which uh, which sucks too that it's got to be that way. Like agents do get a bad rap. I think we're probably right beneath lawyers and Salesman. most of us are, are like oh God, i'm all three uh, <laughs> <laughs> um what does that say about me right, right. glutton for punishment <laughs> but um it does suck that we kind of got to say those things but yeah just be careful go through the process i'd interview a bunch of different uh agents make sure you got the right fit um and don't be wooed by the the immediate payday because you're going to have time to make your money find someone who's going to take care of you right all right, so we've established that it's expensive to apply. It's extremely hard to break in, and then once you do break in, it's expensive to sign a player, at least up front, right, with the intention that you know, you'll get paid on the back end, but you know it's expensive. So why the fuck am I doing this, right? 
Yeah, why are you doing that? <laughs> excellent question. Um, excellent question. So, you know, other than being passionate about sports and, and all that, which is true, of course, but everybody is, uh, at least in my world, um, I want to be just a small part of greatness. I want my athletes to say hiring me was the greatest decision of their careers. I want them to fall in love with the process of becoming great, to be an inspiration to future generations. When I think about sports, I watch like old interviews with Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan and and like how dedicated they were to winning. And that stuff just fires me up, man. Um, it's so inspiring to watch someone. Um, I, Lionel Messi had a great quote I think it took him 20 years to be an overnight success mm-hmm. and it's just people I, I, I don't think people realize how much goes into it and I think if you can partner with the right athlete who will take that seriously if I could be just again a small part of that I think it would give me so much meaning and so much pleasure to watch that young man become a goat right? To become a Brady, to become a Jordan, a Bryant, LeBron, whoever, like that is, I think the thing that, that, that fires me up the most about this. And if I can play again, just that small role, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. That's what, you know, makes me want, want to do this. That's your why. That's my why. Yeah. Uh, just to be associated with someone like that. And if I can assist them, not necessarily just, you know, latch on and go for the ride, but to actually help them succeed on and off the floor or the, or the field in this case, beautiful. That's, that's what I want to do. It's a holistic approach, right? Like it's not just one lane. It's not just like, I'm going to help you with contract negotiations. I'm going to help you with partnerships. I'm going to help you with, you know, your workout routine your diet, right? Like there's Everything. so many things that go into that and like, right. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean the, the biggest, like you saw the last dance, right? The documentary on Jordan. Yeah. Who hasn't. Right. And if you haven't pull your head out of the sand, go watch it. It's a phenomenal <laughs> documentary. Uh, but Jordan's got a, a great quote in there that says like, I, basically he's talking about, I, I wasn't worried about the shoe deals. When, I wanted to win. If you win first, everything else takes care of itself. And how true is that? I mean, if Michael Jordan was just, you know, another guy who averaged 10 points in the league, you know, you can't charge 120 bucks for sneakers when you're averaging six points in the league. But when you win six championships and you have two different series of three-peats and then you become a cultural icon then you can create the shoes then you do the mcdonald's commercials or whatever so if you if you're an athlete today and you want to hit it rich with name image likeness in college or you want your own shoe deal or you whatever your goals might be around being an athlete you need to be a winner and i want to help my athletes be winners and I think that's true for charity too. Like, let's say your your goal becoming an athlete is to support your community. You want to, you know, do you want to help kids in your neighborhood where you grew up? Whatever it might be, the more successful you are on the field, 
the more that success will help you in other ventures, whether it's charity, sponsorships, whatever your goals are, win, perform. And that's what I want to help my athletes do. It's that mentality, right? Like how do you build that mentality? Not just within sports, but it's translatable across multiple avenues, right? Yeah. Like business, personal growth, right? Like how, how can you become the best version of yourself on the field? In business, right? Like you look at guys like Shaq, LeBron, Jordan, for example. Sports is how you got started, yeah. right? You took that mentality, maybe pivoted a little bit, right? Your body, you can't do the same things you, you can do at 30 or 40, but you're still applying that same mentality. Shaq has partnerships with like 30 different companies. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and those opportunities will come again. Those companies will approach you when you win first. Mm-hmm. And and the, I think the modern day athlete is phenomenal at that. You look at like Steph Curry, LeBron, I mean, even Rogers, like all these guys have diversified to the point now where they have investments in multiple different avenues. And again, they were able to get to that point because they performed, they got their second or third life-changing contracts. Now you have disposable income which you're not necessarily spending on a fancy car or a nice house, but you're now you're owning pieces of business. You want life-changing wealth above and beyond your playing days. You're only going to play in the NFL. The average player plays less than four years. If you have a great career, it might be 10 years. So we're talking about retiring at 32. Can you sit on your earnings from your NFL days for your whole life, at, You know, from 32 to 80? Maybe, maybe, maybe if you're smart about it, mm-hmm. but can you turn the money you earn in those days into actual equities in business that will make money for you while you sleep? Now you're set for life. Mailbox money. Yeah. Fuck you money. That's what we're nope. talking about. That's what we're talking about. <clears throat> so one, one thing that I want to touch on, right? Like we're talking about greatness, professional careers, right? Within sports agents, right? Representation. Uh, Something that's a little bit newer, at least for me, you're a college athlete and now like you see the Cavender twins and they're getting sponsored, they're getting sponsorships, right? There's an underwear company that sponsored them not, not long ago. Not that I was like looking at like underwear sponsorships, but strictly for research purposes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Not for any other reason. But definitely for no reason. <laughs> um, like no, those that, two are killing it. That that even right, like Cavender twins, like they'll be in the WNBA, but they haven't even played. What they haven't dribbled a basketball in the WNBA, and you have partnerships. They're millionaires. Yeah, right now today. Um. Yeah. So you know, with name, image, and likeness, it is interesting, right? We're we're in the wild, wild west a little bit in terms of how this is all going to shake out. And you've, you've heard, you know, the Cavender twins have, have made a killing. Uh, there was that gymnast in who went to LSU or goes to LSU. She did really well. And then of course you got the football. I think the Alabama quarterback was rumored to have a couple million dollar deals. Um, but that's, that's, that's kind of it, right? The vast majority of NIL is going to be smaller things. Maybe you're signing autographs. Um, maybe you're doing a podcast. Maybe you're doing you're monetizing your Instagram page. 
I think the biggest thing when it comes to NIL is one, what are your goals? Two, when it comes to your personal brand, are you partnering with companies that you actually utilize and that would want to partner with? There's a great quote um, by a guy at the name of Naval Ravikant. Um, Silicon Valley, Silicon, Silicon Valley investor, easy for me to say, um, and, and a bright mind. And he has a quote that says, if you wouldn't work with somebody for a, a lifetime, don't work with them for a day. And I think that's extremely important wow. for young athletes who are thinking of partnering with a brand. Like when you think of your personal brand, do you want to become a billboard or do you want to stand for something? I think those are very important things. And if you want to be a billboard and you just want to get as much money as possible, there's nothing wrong with that. But just think about the long-term implications of that and what future opportunities might be hindered based on who you partner with. Um, so I think the, the, the better advice is to be you and partner with brands that you would want to partner with for the rest of your life. So like you're just saying not to partner with like a titty bar or something, right? Yeah, like I mean, and there's club. there's rules around that, right? Like you can't partner with gambling and you can't partner with alcohol. At least I don't think you can. So there's there's like four things that you cannot do. But even like, you know, the local, um, the local company who's got some shady ethics. <clears throat> yeah, they might be willing to throw some money at you to promote their business. But what if their business ethics don't align with your personal ethics and now all of a sudden they're in the news and now you're associated with that company do you really want to have to answer the press that's going to come to you and say do you support what x y and z company is doing and in your head you're probably thinking look i'm just trying to get a paycheck but now you're responsible for their actions as a brand ambassador and so it's partly out of your control too right like as a player you've made this partnership you can't control what that company does to, I mean, to an extent, right? Like you can, you can ask them like, Hey, stop doing this, whatever you're doing, right. Embezzlement, like your Enron, whatever, yeah, whatever kind of it company. is. Yeah. Uh, but part of that is out of your control. You're now forever tied to that company. For sure. For sure. So be careful with that, point. especially in the new days of NIL. Cause, um, and we'll talk more about that probably in future podcasts. But yes, be, be mm-hmm. very careful with who you partner with. All right. So kind of getting back to this then, the question becomes, you know, why me? Why should anybody hire Alex to be their their agent? What, what value can I bring? And when I think about this, I think there has to be more to being an agent than just knowing the CBA or doing contract negotiations, right? You're going to pay someone between 1% and 3% of your salary to represent you. There should be more than just contract negotiations, in my opinion. And it's for a couple reasons. One, the rookie wage scale locks you into what your potential earnings can be when you're drafted. And your rookie deal, if you are drafted, will last four years. The problem being the average NFL career is less than four years. So the average NFL player never gets that second contract. And that second contract is where the real money is. That's the life-changing money. 
if you're getting on your rookie deal, there's probably not much there, especially if you're not drafted in the first or second round. So, you know, if you're hiring your agent based on their ability to negotiate your contract and you never have a contract negotiated, did you pick the right agent, right? Two, with the contract negotiations, even if you have one or two contract extensions, which is, that means you, you made it, congratulations. Great career, yeah. Yeah. Is it worth paying 3% every year for that guy who negotiated three deals? Maybe. Again, that stuff's very important, right? This is your life as an athlete. You should get the absolute most you can out of every negotiation because, again, you're only going to get a couple of them. But I also think they're that an, an agent can offer more value to get to that point. So let's get back to training. Um, you know, we mentioned every agent is offering pre-combine training, but let's talk about the combine for a minute. The combine is important for two reasons. One, teams want to get you in front of their doctors. They want to do a physical. They want to review your medical records. They want to make sure you're healthy and that you're going to stand up to now a 17-game season. And if your team's good enough, a couple more games in the playoffs. That is a brutal beating on your body. They want to make sure you can handle it. They they want to see your medical records? So, so, so I think they get a peek at it. Um, I mean, they're there. You'll, you'll hear it every year. Like so-and-so had to drop out of the NFL draft because they had a heart arrhythmia. Or, I mean, you are going to go through a thorough physical examination and every team's going to get access to that information. They're going to review injury reports in college and those types of things. Yeah, you're going to get poked and prodded and they're going to, they're you're going to check you out. You're going to kick the tires? Yes, absolutely. So that's reason number one. They want to check that out. Reason number two, they want to interview you, especially if you have any sort of blemish on your record. You know, you got a drinking ticket. You know, you had a, you got in a bar fight, whatever it might be. You're speeding 155 miles an hour. Down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to fathom what happened with, with Henry Ruggs. And, and I'm not, I'm not assuming I didn't know him. Obviously I'm not assuming that any red flags were in his, um, in his past. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I don't know him at all. But that's the type of things that teams are trying to avoid at any cost. So, yeah, if you got in the bar fight in college, if you got into a dispute with your girlfriend, uh, you got a drinking ticket, like they're going to dig into that and they're going to want to talk to you about it. And even if you don't have those things on your record, they're going to dig to make sure that you didn't. Um, again, they don't want to be in the news because you, their player, did something wrong and now they have to answer questions to it. And unfortunately, that type of stuff happens too often. So that's what they're trying to avoid. Not to mention like the media circus that comes with that, right? Yeah. Like Baker Mayfield, when he came out, like drinking and being drunk, right, in public on OU's campus and then getting caught by the police yeah. after running from the cops. Like the cops caught him running I, I, from I the police. I don't remember that with Baker. He... Yeah, like his girlfriend, like it, it, it's on video. Uh, I, I believe you. I just, I don't remember it. I mean, you think of stuff like that, you, some, of, some, some of it's kind of silly and funny and other stuff, it's a little bit more serious. And yeah, they just, 
now there's a, a general manager or a head coach that has to answer to the press about you doing whatever it was that you did and and they just want to avoid it right it's it's a business now mm-hmm. and they don't want their business brand tarnished by individual actions so they want to avoid that mm-hmm. when it comes to the actual workout itself most of that's done for tv um because it gives the nfl an opportunity to be on tv in march with guys in shorts and t-shirts running around but the teams themselves the scouts that are watching you the general managers they really just want to make sure your workout matches what they're seeing on film so um you know if you look fast on film are you running fast in the 40 if you're an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman who looks strong are you actually strong in the bench press did you actually take time to prepare because again, if you're a wide receiver, they could probably give two shits if you bench press 225 nine times or if you can do it 16 times. But if your arms are shaking after the third rep because you haven't prepared, that's going to be a red flag, right? So really, as long as you're within certain ranges, the NFL is going to be happy mm-hmm. and and teams are going to be happy. And I have two examples. I looked at uh, Devonte Adams and DeAndre Hopkins, uh, who I think are the two best receivers in the NFL. And even if they're not the two best receivers, after Adams gets his new deal, they will be the two highest paid wide receivers. So they're paid like the two best. Yes. I mean, Hopkins is already getting paid, and Devontae is going to get paid, whether it's in Green Bay or not. And Adams ran a 4.56 40, and Hopkins ran a 4.57. Completely average wide receiver times. It's not like, excuse me, it's not like they're blowing the tops off these defenses. So, but they're both really fucking good. So, again, all teams care about are are you within their range for what's acceptable at that position? And if you are, great. They're going to look at the film. What you've done on film in your college playing days is far more important than what your 40 time is or what your vertical jump is. They just want to make sure what they saw on film matches to how you work out. So, when we think about that, how are you training for the combine? And more importantly, how are you training for life after the combine? Because I think that's almost more important, right? What happens at rookie minicamp? What happens at OTAs? What happens at training camp is critical, especially if you're a late round guy or an undrafted free agent to you actually making a 53 man roster, which is where you get paid. You don't get paid anything if you get cut on the last day of cutdowns. It's brutal business it's not guaranteed so it's extremely important that you make that 53 and then once you make that 53 it's even more important that you perform so that we can keep you there so when you're training after your college career is done yes it's important to have a good 40 time and i understand that every year there's going to be a general manager that falls in love with the guy's workout and probably drafts a guy too early and that could be you but the odds of that are extremely unlikely so how do we start training for your future career. That's what I'm concerned about. How do we get you to perform when it actually matters, not in a field when you're wearing t-shirts and shorts? So so why do agents today spend all that money if it's really not that important? One, I think it's industry standard. Agents have been doing it forever, especially when they figured out that you could kind of game the system, and now it's just kind of stuck. What do you mean by game the system? Do you have like an example? Yeah. So when like the combine was first getting going, there was one trainer who figured out how to 
get you to raise your arm, but keeping your shoulder blades down. So it would actually like when you're doing the 40 inch vertical test, you have to like baseline it. And then that's where the zero is and you can jump up. So, well, if you're two inches lower based on your shoulder blade position, you just added two inches to your vertical without ever jumping. Right. Yeah. Um, 40 time there's tricks to beating the laser system where your first movement's better. And again, you will learn all those things and those things are important. Again, teams want to see you prepare, but it's not the end all be all. And I think a lot of that's been cleaned up too. So, excuse me, take a drink of water there. Um, so let's go beyond the combine and then let's leverage technology to help create your draft profile. Um, I think that the NFL is behind the times and, and teams are behind the times in terms of data and analytics. You look at like baseball, they've done a phenomenal job with this where you know pitchers know their RPMs on their, on their fastballs and curveballs, how much the ball's spinning, how much break. Hitters know bat speed, bat speed exit velocity, launch angle. Football, and, and part of it's because football is more of a team sport, but it's hard to, they, they ha, at least, maybe, and maybe teams are doing more with this, but I, as a fan up to this point, I haven't seen it. I think Next of, Gen tries to a little they bit. They try, right? but like, like what's they, what do they tell you? Like how fast Derek someone Henry ran? ran yeah, 24 20, miles per hour or whatever. Which, what a monster. But, <laughs> um, you know, other than that, you don't see a lot of it, right? So when you're working out, when you're training for, the draft let's partner with specific trainers that can actually leverage data and then we can create a profile based on your actual abilities and your statistics around those abilities to to let nfl teams know what you're capable of doing so there's two companies that i've partnered with two training facilities one's called p3 and they're in california and they have a new location in atlanta and then the second is Neuroforce One in Scottsdale, Arizona. And these two are by far the best at leveraging those technology. I mean, it's like walking into a space age facility, um, you know, with the, 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 the force plates. And I mean, it's wild. It's wild stuff. Um, so, you know, what these facilities have already done for current athletes, I think of uh, P3 worked with Luka, Luka Doncic. So when I look at Luca, I don't see like stud athlete. He doesn't look like your prototypical NBA player, but the guy's a bona fide superstar MVP right? candidate. Yeah. And what they found with Luca specifically is that he could stop by running at a full speed. He could stop better than any other athlete on the planet. So think about how he's incorporated that to his game. He'll begin to drive at you get you on his hip, and then he pulls up for a jump shot. And you have no chance of blocking him because you're still moving forward when he's already going up and he gets an open look and then he buries it. So even though he's not the quickest, even though he doesn't have the best foot speed, he knows what he can do better than anybody else, and he takes advantage of that. So that's what I want my athletes to do. Let's partner with the right facility who can manage and track that and then let's amplify your strengths so that you are the 1% of the top 1%. Mm -hmm. And even if it's as, as something as stopping, 
Maybe it's cutting. I mean, think about that in terms of being a wide receiver or a defensive back. Knowing that you could cut better than anybody else and using that to your advantage, your team understanding that and how to use you, knowing that you should run more in and out routes, knowing that you should run sure, more posts. Run a phenomenal curl. Whatever right? it is, and then how do we take advantage of that? If you're a corner, how can you flip your hips? How can you, whatever it might be, let's find your strengths and let's find it object. What's that word? Objectively. Mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, let's use that data objectively, and then let's let's amplify it. And then for your weaknesses, the biggest thing with your weaknesses is are your weaknesses going to get you hurt? Because I look at the level of non-contact injuries, and those are the devastating ones. Those are the blown ACLs. Those are the blown Achilles that are nine months, 12 months. How long was Durant out? 18 months yeah. to rehab that Achilles, and nobody ever touched him, Right. And I think about that in football. You see it usually once a week. A runner goes to cut, a lineman goes to plant, blows their knee out. And and it makes sense because these are superhumans. Like these are the top athletes that are pushing their bodies to the absolute limit. And things are going to break down if they're not trained properly. So if you do have a weakness, a functional weakness somewhere, and maybe it's your knee, maybe it's your ankle mobility, your hip mobility, all of this stuff is connected. How do we address that so that you don't get hurt? Because if you are a UDFA, you are a late round guy, that could be career ending, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the Saquon Barkleys of the world who tear their ACL as first, you know, drafted fourth overall or whatever, he's going to probably get another shot and he could probably still be, <clears throat> excuse me, still be the highest paid running back after he signs his extension with New York. But that's rare. I mean, if you're a six round guy trying to make a team, and you blow your knee out. That opportunity might not be there. You might be done. So let's take every, let's do everything we possibly can to make sure that that injury never happens. To set right whoever up to succeed the best way. Yes, exactly. So that's why I partnered with those two companies. The next area is nutrition. You mentioned holistic approach, right? Mm-hmm. So. I partnered with a guy by the name of Dan Garner. Look him up on Instagram. He's a phenomenal follow. He will take your blood. He will take a urine sample, and he'll take a look at your shit. Literally, you poop in a bag and send it to him. What are the logistics on that? I don't know. How do you poop into a bag? How do you poop into a box? I'm thinking you, like, spread it the plastic out over the toilet, and then it sinks down. I'm guessing. Just, like, do... It sounds like you maybe you you maybe know a little more than the average person. Well, uh, I have talked to Dan, so I guess that makes me a little <laughs> bit more average. I'll have to ask him next time how you poop in a bag. Logistics aside, so they yes, take all of these samples. As disgusting as it sounds, he yeah. looks at this, but by looking at blood and urine and fecal samples, he can test over 100 different biomarkers. And then he can develop a nutrition program to help you meet your goals based on those biomarkers. So you think about the nutrition levels that a college athlete may get, or even your average NFL player with their nutritional specialists, they're developing a program for, at the college level, 100 guys, at the NFL level, maybe 50 guys, and everybody's gonna have different individual needs, and everybody's gonna have different 
different outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at things like bio gut health. Uh, you look at yeah, like the flora, the right? flora, like yes, inside of your intestines. That's emerging data today, and research is coming out on how connected, like, good and bad microbiome and flora in your gut affects not only performance, right, but depression, anxiety, yeah. the mindset that you need. You have garbage in, you have garbage out. Yeah, I mean, exactly. If you're a Ferrari and you're putting in the wrong gas, that Ferrari is going to break down pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I think that's tr- it's even more true of highly trained athletes who are trying to get the absolute most out of their bodies. You need to be putting in the absolute right fuel. And if you don't know what that fuel is, how can you be sure? And the best part is this will tell you objectively if it's right or wrong. Like the numbers won't lie. It's funny Where, that you say that because there's, I'm sorry, I cut you off. There's something on a Rogan podcast with Mike Tyson where Mike Tyson took like some type of similar test. I don't know if it was like a stool sample or what, but certain fruits, right? Like he found out that blueberries were something that didn't agree with him, whether, I mean, it's Mike Tyson telling us this, yeah. right? So like with a, with a grain of salt, but yeah, like, that causes certain types of inflammation, causes certain types of negative consequences when you eat those things. But on the surface, right, you're told fruits and vegetables, you need to increase that. But if you don't know what's right, right? Tom Brady doesn't eat strawberries. Crazy man, I don't know. Well, he's also 44 and still playing amazing, so he must know something we don't know. And and has rings on two hands, not just one. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'm gonna stop eating strawberries and drinking coffee. I don't know. But those are things that if you want to be at the 1% of the 1% of the 1%, those are things you need to know because that's a separation factor that separates you from everyone else. Oh, for sure. And you think about, you know, the LeBrons, the Brady's, like what's the first thing they do when they make that life-changing money? Most of the time, they get that personal shelf, that personal chef who is, you know, cooking them custom meals, probably based on their specific program, they're getting what they need at the exact time they need it. If you don't understand that, you're at a disadvantage to the guys you're playing against. Um, and yeah, you're gonna you're gonna perform like that. So treat your chefs well though. Uh, yeah, next thing you know, <laughs> next thing you know you're getting ratted out for having a fake COVID passport. God. Yeah, uh, do, do you know who Andrew Brandt is? No. He's a former salary cap guy for the Packers. He was an agent for a while. Great Twitter follow. And, you know, the news broke that Antonio's Brown's chef ratted him out. And, and I forget what the headline was, like, you know, Fake chef, card, whatever. you know. And Andrew Brandt tweeted, translation, Brown did not pay his chef high enough. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, good God. <laughs> Something else you got to think about in the age of COVID. So... Getting back to nutrition, when I think about that in the context of training, right? So you think about you you athletes who may be in the 6th, 7th round, UDFA range. If your agent had a budget, say six $7,000 to help you with your training, I would actually rather go this nutrition route than training. 
physical training, you all are probably pretty adept at, and you have college coaches who can help you in facilities that are probably still top notch. Get your nutrition right. I think get your sleep right. Get a whoop strap, whatever it might be. Get some data on how you're sleeping and how you're performing and what you should be eating. That will go, I think, so much further than just another training facility to help you shave a tenth off your off your 40 time. That would be my advice. So we we look at all of that, we create your draft profile, and then we're gonna do this throughout your entire career. I think it's important. I think as new technology comes out, it's important to have someone, whether it's your agent or your personal trainer, um, vet those programs um, because there's there's new technology every day. It's getting better and better, and you should take advantage of that um, to help you perform better and longer in the NFL, which is obviously our goal. So um, that's a little bit about me. It's a little bit what I'm looking to bring to this new crazy world I'm jumping into. Um, do you have any, any questions, Mike, any thoughts? No, just, I mean, it's been a long journey, right? Like 18 months, 18 months, but then even, I mean, you're, you're sitting here today after 18 months of right applications, like some starter money, right. To get applications through, to get, to get this going. Right. But even before that, right. Like your journey to where, to like make that decision to be an NFL agent, right. Like we're talking like we're wearing Flint Tropics shirts, like at a yeah. beer pong tournament when we yeah. first met each other. And like, that's 12, 13 years ago. Um, like all of that time, right. All of those experiences, like the passion for sports, the, like, I don't know. I see it in you, right. Like I see like, <laughs> right. 18, 19, 20 years old going out five nights a week but still passionate about sports and how maybe that's shifted a little bit into a more serious mindset where, you know, the guy across the table from me right now is a dad expecting <laughs> another. Definitely had to grow up a little bit. Um, and that changes you, right? Like that changes your mindset. It changes how you look at certain things. Um, and there's a level of seriousness to it. Right. So, um, not questions, but like dudes ready. Right. Yeah, like we're going to give a shot emerging, like going to see what's going to happen. And like, you got to start somewhere. Right. So like 12, 13, 14 years in the making, like it's been a journey, but like still going yep. like, I yeah. love it. Looking, yeah. Looking I love, forward to I it. love the persistence. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so to kind of close things out a little bit about the podcast. So what I'm planning on doing is every Sunday, Mike and I will get together uh, future podcasts will obviously be a lot less about me and more about what's going on in football, what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I would be thinking about. Um, so we'll have a we'll have a topic there, and then we'll do a top five. So this this week's top five is going to be top five touchdown dances, um, and then on Wednesdays, which will be released on Thursday. So this is a Sunday. Assuming we don't screw up the technology, it'll come out tomorrow on Monday. Harder than it um, seems. Yeah, it is harder than it <laughs> seems. Um, so, and then on Wednesdays, I will do a solo podcast, um, which will be much shorter and much more CBA technical, if that's the right way to put it. So if you are thinking about becoming an agent, I want this to be a resource to you. Again, I want to learn by talking through these things and preparing for the podcast. 
Um, so that'll be much shorter, but that'll be much more technical driven. So that's going to be the cadence here. So every Monday and Thursday, will a, a podcast will be released again, assuming I can figure it out. That is subject to change if it becomes too much. Uh, Mike mentioned I have a kid on the way, so this might get a little crazy, but that's going to be the goal for now is uh, once with Mike on Sundays and then uh, once by myself during the week. So, um, all right. So, like, just actually a question came in. Yeah. Like, right in my head. Um, persistence, right? And, like, self-accountability comes to mind, like – is there something you're doing right now, like in your life, that's holding yourself accountable or that's like pushing you to do better? Like we talked about mentality. Yeah. Um, you know, I think personal development is is key. Um, and what I've found is that it's really easy to read about personal development, but it's much harder to implement acts. So I, I found a, a program online uh, called 75 Hard. If you haven't checked out Andy Frisella's program, Go to his Instagram page, go online, search 75 hard. Hundreds of thousands of people have done it. Um, I'm in the middle of it, close to the end actually. Um, and what it is is for 75 days, you work out twice a day. One of those workouts has to be outside. Um, you have to drink a gallon of water. You have to stick to a diet, no alcohol, read 10 pages of a nonfiction book a day, and then take a progress pick. So you have to do those things every single day um, for 75 days. I always get fiction and nonfiction mixed up. Nonfiction is... Um, Fake or real? Real. Cool. Uh, so like a personal development book, a business book. <clears throat> I can tell you're a reader though. Uh -huh. A scholar. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> um, but the program, you know, a lot of people think of it as a, as a physical program, but it's actually been much more of a program about implementing discipline. Um, you know, we, for example, the outdoor workouts, we live in Wisconsin, we're in Milwaukee, it's November. Uh, there's been days where I haven't gotten my second workout in. Now it's nine 30 after my kid goes to bed. The last thing I want to do is go, go outside outside and, work out. and work out for 45 minutes. <laughs> um, it sucks, especially when it's cold and windy, but you got to get it done. Stick to the program. Um, and it's been, it's been in a way life-changing. Um, it's created that discipline. I'm excited to do it right at this time as I'm getting this off the ground specifically. And I've started a daily newsletter that I'll talk about at the end. Um, obviously, we're going to start this podcast. I'm starting a company. And if you don't have those daily disciplines, I think all that stuff will go kind of down the shitter. So um, I would encourage everybody to do it. It's a great program. Um looking forward to it being over i'm looking forward to like a nice pizza mm -hmm. but um well worth the effort and do it i love it perfect transition here um i know we have top five touchdown dances here but you mentioned you're looking forward to a pizza yeah just thinking like a couple things here we have we have an emerging nfl agent here sitting across the table from me what's what's on your pizza What's 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 your perfect pizza look like? So uh, you know this about me, but I am a extremely picky eater. So like my perfect pizza, traditional pizza, is just cheese and sausage. Like that's it. I don't want anything else. Cheese and sausage. Uh, if I'm gonna get crazy, like a good barbecue chicken pizza, um, would be. I had a barbecue chicken cauliflower crust pizza last night because that fit my diet for this program. 
Phenomenal. Phenomenal. So, um, yeah, that's probably how I would go there. Sausage, cheese, pizza. That's it, man. I love it. I love it. Spicy? Spicy sausage? Uh, yeah, the sausage doesn't really matter to me, uh, whether it's spicy or would you call it mild? <laughs> I'm not mild. a sausage expert. Mild sausage. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So cheese and sausage pizza, interesting. Yeah, simple. It's really not. Simple, though. Plain Jane. It's minimalist. It right? is minimalist, yes. It's hot right now, I think. Um, okay, so few more questions here just as like you know whatever comes to mind um your favorite smell if there's a smell that either brings you nostalgia right or or just like this smell is my smell what is that yes. i think it's really telling of people well they... i don't know what this is going to say about me <laughs> my favorite smell is like walking into an elementary school the first day after summer. I don't know what cleaner my school used. It's not like bleachy, it's not anything, but like I'll never forget that smell. And every once in a while, like I'll walk into a place that must use that same cleaner and it just brings me right back to there. It's that parochial school cleaner. Yeah, that that Catholic school <laughs> cleaner slash sawdust, whatever they put in it. I'll I'll never forget that smell. Janitor that just smoked cigarettes and like came back in. Shout out Gordy. That was yep. my. That was the. What a janitor name, by the way. But yeah, Gordy was the was the janitor at my parochial school. If you're named Gordy, you're like, a janitor. Do you? Yeah. Do you have another track in life? No. I don't. I I I can't think of one. Shout out all the Gordies. Right. Yeah. No offense if you're a Gordy. Um, kill it as a janitor. Apparently. Um, Ours, ours was Jerry, the janitor. Mm. Also, like... It's got that alliteration going on. Yeah. Um, okay, interesting. So, parochial school, first day smell. Uh, if you could have any... Two questions. First one, condiment. So, your finger, right? Yeah can squirt any condiment out any single one on demand sweet baby rays <laughs> sweet baby sweet. rays barbecue sauce next question i love it um so <laughs> 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 um alex smokes a lot of meats yes so sweet baby rays out of the finger would be i mean they're the best barbecue sauce I'm, I'm the big guy, and uh, <laughs> uh, shout out to Mark Zuckerberg, what a robot. Um, any non-traditional superpower that you can have, anyone, um, just like non-traditional. I mean, like you can't fly, or like invisibility. Yeah, read minds or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the ability to look at a book and like instantly absorb the key points out of that book or the like to have that knowledge. I think about like all of the great autobiographies or biographies that have been written and to like know what those great people have done without having to read all of those books. The time saver. Yes, because right? I love to read, but to be able to just 
engulf and absorb all of that knowledge immediately would be pretty amazing. Barnes and Noble fucking hates you right now. Yeah. By the way, you walk into that store and you look at all the books and like and you just done. Yep. Now I'm a genius. <laughs> that is such a good super like non like. Yeah, let me just absorb as much knowledge as I can in yeah. as short amount of time as possible. That's what I'm doing anyway. Unfortunately, That's, it just takes a lot more work. <laughs> right? That's phenomenal. Uh, those are the only questions I had. So really just wanted to get better better insight into you. Like stupid questions. Yeah, I that, love it. Like, I love off it. the cuff. Maybe that'll be a segment. Mike's, uh, it needs to be. Mike's magical questions. <laughs> uh, we need to start that. I love that idea. <laughs> uh We'll, 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 I'll take that into consideration. Yeah. Pencil it in. We'll, All right. We'll pencil it in. All right. Promise some top five touchdown dances. Uh-huh. So we, we each got five. We're going to go down from five down to one. I'll kick it off. Mm-hmm. Coming in at number five, the Joe Horn cell phone out of the goalpost pad. What I love about this particular use of props is earlier that season, Terrell Owens pulled the Sharpie out of his sock, signed the football, whatever. So the NFL had to implement a rule that said you could not have anything in your socks or on your person, which who would have thought that the NFL would have needed to implement such a uniform rule, but shout out to T.O. because he made it so. So Joe Horn said, okay, won't have anything on me. But I'm going to get out early for pregame, early. And I'm going to duct tape a cell phone underneath the goalpost pad, and I got to call someone after I score a touchdown. And then he scored on top of it. So I'm going to go number five, Joe Horn cell phone. You think he had a cell phone on both sides? Oh, great question. Side? Great question. He had to have it on both sides. Right? Like, how can you even predict what side of the – right? Like, you score – and then what a waste to if be on the wrong side. you got to run 120 side, yards right? to your goalpost. Like, you got to have two track phones, right, taped in? Yeah, you have to. Never thought about that, but interesting. No. Perfect segue into my number five, uh, T.O. Sharpie. Right? Yeah. Like, no, like, think about you score that touchdown and, like, you autograph a ball and give it away. Like, what a perfect, like, not only as a fan, right, like, I want the Sharpie. Yeah. Right? Like, I want the ball. That's I a, want the T.O. signature. That's a piece of history. <laughs> yep. I want the Sharpie to go along with the ball to be like, that's the Sharpie that T.O. signed that ball with. You know what's crazy about Terrell? We could probably do a top five T.O. touchdown dances because yes. he is like every freaking highlight, you know, the popcorn, pom-poms, whatever. Which, thinking about that, right, football's going into stands. Mike Evans yeah. just gave away a couple weeks ago. Brady's 600. TB12's 600th touchdown pass. And think about, right, gave it away, and then that fan gave it back. I know, and that poor fan got annihilated online. But, like, dude, he he just won the lottery, and, like, he gave the ball back, good on him, and he still got paid, man. He got two Bitcoins. 120 grand worth right there. You got yeah. season tickets, signed jerseys, the whole nine yards. Like people were like, oh, he should have held out for more. Like, he didn't do anything to earn it, and he still got fucking paid. So good for him, man. They they did some because the internet knows everything, right? Of course. Like they did some digging. The internet's uh, undefeated. He's apparently a physician. 
right? Like not mm. not not struggling. Not that you would, right? Well, like you have a great seat. Now he's a crypto investor. <laughs> and yep. And now you have like you had one hundred twenty thousand dollars that could turn into. Right, the sky's the limit. Who knows where Bitcoin's going? Um, yeah, one Hopefully thing that it doesn't we know, crash. Yeah, it's not going away. Not yet. That's right. Yeah. So, so you get two bitcoins from Tom Brady. Are you cashing those suckers out and little? Oh, no. You're oh, gonna no. let them sit. Diamond hands, baby. We're holding that. Well, I mean, you you have nothing to lose if you just let them sit. Mm-hmm. Even if they, even if Bitcoin crashes to zero, you didn't pay anything for them. No. And you still get autographed. Like, I there's an autographed something in that man's house today. Oh, yeah. And he's got season tickets, I think. Yeah, he got hooked up. So, number, yeah, back to this. Number four. Yes. T.O. Sharpie, number five. Um, number four. Ocho Cinco. Old oh, Brocho Cinco. Another one. Pylon Golf. Yes. Where he took the orange pylon at the end zone. Did a little putt putt action <laughs> in the end zone. He looks like a golfer. He, I mean, who is it, right? Like you think about who's the guy, like LeBron's teammate. I can't think of his name. J.R. Smith. Yeah. Foot, he plays Phenomenal college golf. golf. Yeah. Today. I know he had to. He had to. He had to get a waiver from the NCAA <laughs> so that he could play. Uh, Ocho Cinco. I mean, pylon golf, right? Like, too bad they didn't have cameras in that pylon. Oh, good point. Yes, didn't even think about that with the new tech pylon cam. Right. Another person who could have probably his own top five celebrations, the Irish dance and the Hall of Fame jacket. Many top fives. You, know, oh, you yeah. think about that, like the, the turnover chain with Miami and now like everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Like Ocho Cinco was the original. Like he had the Hall of Fame jacket, you know, thing on mm-hmm. the sideline. Like he was the original prop guy. Mm-hmm. Love it. Not to mention changing his name, right? Yeah, to Ocho Cinco. Yeah, thank God he never went somewhere else. Like, okay, here's Chad Ocho Cinco, number eighty-three. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, here's Chad eighty-five, number yeah. eighty-three. <laughs> only, only Ocho Cinco. All right, number my number four is Billy White Shoes Johnson. Who the fuck is Billy yeah. White? Yeah, Johnson? you're. you're you got to culture yourself in the the old NFL history. Uh, white shoes. Just classic touchdown dance. Arms above his head, just knees clanking together. I mean, when I think <laughs> touchdown, I think white shoes just doing this. Also, if you have some time to kill, YouTube, Billy White Shoes Johnson, nay, nay. You will not be disappointed. Because, Done. again, the internet is undefeated. I'm intrigued. <laughs> okay, number three, the Dion High Step. Oh. Yes, I can still picture him. Pick six, all the way down, all by himself, high stepping in the end zone. When I was a kid playing backyard football, that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to emulate that. You still see athletes doing it today. Prime time was prime time, and he was just a showman. And that high step is iconic. He could probably run like a four seven forty doing that high step. To be honest, oh I know, right? Like a and freak, like, and then like a four two straight up. I mean, the guy was. <laughs> Isn't he rumored to have run like a four one nine and then kept running back into his limo and left Indy? Yeah, you know, people give him a little bit of shit for his baseball career, but think about how good of an athlete you are where you can even be like 
a dual sport. Yes. I mean, there's only, there's only been a, a couple of them. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, if you want to call Jordan one. Yeah. But, I mean, Jordan Jordan was a decent hitter, but, you know, it took him a while, and I don't Strike know how many is, games he played. Yeah, at, yeah. Up at, but to be that athletic, it, wild, man, prime time. Start, I mean, it's starting to happen more, right? Like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. Yeah, but those guys never actually did it. Yeah, and I, and I true. Think, and I also think it's easier for a quarterback because, like, a lot of those guys get – well, Kyler was a shortstop, so I'll give him some credit. But, like, a lot of quarterbacks probably get drafted as pitchers. Uh, like, mm. do you remember Jeff Samarja? He played mm-hmm. at Notre Dame. He could have played in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Um, but he he was a up, tight end, right? Yeah, for Notre Dame, and he ended up pitching for the Cubs. But, you know, those just freak athletes, man. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Number three for me, Antonio Brown, second reference for AB today. Um, bear hugging the goalpost after he scores yes, a touchdown. I remember that running full speed, nut first into the <laughs> goalpost pad. Uh, like that, like cup or not, right? Like probably not good. wearing one, but like, even good. if you are, like nothing comfortable about that. No, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> and he's fast. Oh, yeah. It's um, not like me and you running in there. Like, no, full speed, bear hugging it out. Ari Gold, let's hug it out, bitch. <laughs> just, just full speed into that goalpost. And, and how do you – like, that's not Antonio Brown. Like, the, that's that's not Oakland Antonio Brown. That's not – right? Mm-hmm. Like, Tampa Bay Antonio Brown's looking great. He's got well, – I mean, anyone does. We'll see I what mean, happens. You, you and I could be facing federal charges for <laughs> falsifying a COVID passport. So True. Maybe not. Um, a lot of people look great when you got TB12 throwing the football to you. Um, oh, but, he had some good luck, though. Big Ben, solid all those years in Pittsburgh. Yeah, they seem to have a good rapport before, the, Super Bowl a couple before times. the falling out. Um, but, yeah, that, like, A.B., Bear hugging the goalpost. Fireman sli- sliding down. Yep, yeah. sliding down uh, number three. I love it. I love the hustle. Uh, nothing else than like just an iconic, like, I can't believe you just did that. Yes. That had to hurt. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Who's your number two? Number two, um, Randy Moss. Oh, I can't. I know where oh, you're going with this. Lambeau Field. Yeah. Um, the Joe Buck, like disgusting act. That's the best part of the highlight is listening to <laughs> Joe Buck. I think pretend to be disgusted because it's not like Moss actually, actually mooned anyone. No, but Joe Buck's like, I am so sorry for showing that live TV. That is a disgusting act. <laughs> that, that in and of right. Like you're pains me as a Packer fan to say that. Oh, of course. That's why it was off my list. Lost, lost to the Vikings today. Um, yes, that sucked. Uh, and then, and then to put that on a list and to make it number two, um, no hate to Green Bay at all. I I specifically left it off my list because it still hurts. Have you heard the backstory to that? No. So, uh, Randy Moss talked about this in an interview, but the year before the mooning incident at Lambeau, he was hurt when the Vikings came to Lambeau. Well, that happened to be a game where the University of Wisconsin marching band was there and they do like the halftime show or whatever. But then like in the third quarter, like these, I always forget what they are. I think they're trombones. Is that the big horn? Like the French horn? No, like the tuba, the tuba players. Thank you. Um, 
the tuba players will like go into the stands and they play like polka music and shit. They do that at every Wisconsin game. Well, they were doing that in Lambo, but they put like these percussion socks over the tubas. And you, usually they have like the UW logo. Well, they spelled out where you at Moss. So, <laughs> so Moss is out with like a high ankle sprain or whatever. And he's got the fucking tuba players trolling him in the stands. <laughs> and he's looking up going like, what the fuck are these guys doing? You know, yeah. like, so he remembered that the next time he came to Lambo Next year. Next year. And yeah, when he scored, he made the most of it and let, let the Green Bay faithful know, know how he really felt. 364 more days until, until I play at Lambeau Oh my again. God. And he did, he did not waste that opportunity. <laughs> um, What's right. your number two? My number two, the tweeter touchdown dance. Varsity Blues, phenomenal wow. touchdown dance, phenomenal movie. The made whip, many people a man. The whipped cream bikini scene, yes, made me put down video games for a little bit, and I watched <laughs> and, I, and I watched the Varsity Blues, phenomenal movie. Tweeter, phenomenal wideout. I have a Tweeter jersey upstairs. I'll have to break it out once we get on camera here. I love it. To your touchdown dance number two. Also has whipped cream. Alex has whipped cream in his that's refrigerator right now. I believe that's false. Um, I don't like whipped cream. Don't know where, what Alex uses it for, but. Yeah, I don't either because Alex cream, doesn't like bikinis, whipped cream. Maybe, I don't know. No. And my wife's <laughs> my wife's 32 weeks pregnant, so I can guarantee you that's not happening. <laughs> You're kidding down here. Oh, God. <laughs> Absolutely not. Number one, the greatest touchdown dance of all time, the Dirty Bird. Jamal Anderson, Atlanta Falcons, just iconic. Dirty Bird. The Dirty Bird. In the Dirty South. Yes, phenomenal. Does it get better, right? Like 90s, like Atlanta Falcons is like, what's what's that Al Pacino, Jamie Foxx movie, the football movie? Uh, any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. It just like has any given Sunday vibes, yes. right? Like the Dirty Bird, like Jamie Foxx, like just can I, like. Can I make a confession? I've never seen any given Sunday. Oh, okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Just like very like quintessential. Like I'm here to play football and I'm here to fuck you up. And I'm gonna right? dance all over your grave. The yep. Dirty Bird, the yep. greatest touchdown dance of all time. <laughs> Uh, number one on my list is T.O. San Francisco scoring a touchdown in Dallas uh, and then sprinting over to the Dallas Star on the 50-yard line. Just disrespecting Big D. So disrespectful. Um, and then and then getting popped afterward, right? Like, of course, yeah. Controversy. They're not going to let that fly. No, no. Like America's team. Wow. Right. Another depending team. on who you ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm definitely with you on that. Um <laughs> oh, I love it. I yeah. love it. Those those are the five. Um which like what is the progression of teams, right, that TO played for? Uh, oh my god, there were so many. Uh I'm gonna Google this and I thought that I had it up and I don't. Uh I know he started in San Francisco. Started there, was drafted there, spent the majority of his time there. Then he went to Dallas next, I believe. Dallas and then Philly. Or was it Philly then Dallas? So San Francisco ninety six. Yeah. 
Do you know what round he was drafted? Yeah, I think it was like the third round. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 96 to 2003, San Francisco. Had a stop in Philly. Yep. 2004 to 2005. With McNabb, yeah. And then, ironically, went to the Cowboys. That's my quarterback. 2006 to 2008. Uh, Had a small stop in Buffalo. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. And then a shorter stint in Cincy. And then there's Don't remember that. I think I blacked out the Cincinnati years. I, I, I think T.O. probably did, too. And, like, Ocho Cinco and, like, Terrell Owens are so similar. Were that they like, on the same team? I Right? Like, that That makes you wonder. Um, and then there's an asterisk in 2012 where he, like, had a short stop in Seattle. With Pete Carroll, stop there for a cup of coffee. Yeah, like you do sit-ups in your in your driveway. <laughs> Go next, play for the Seahawks. Next, yeah, Maybe next. I should start doing some sit-ups in my driveway. Pete Carroll will sign you. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this was a good first episode, I think. Um, let's wrap this thing up. If you want to follow Mike on Twitter, he's at mrk mikey mrk mikey. Follow him on Twitter. Um, if you want to follow me and my agency on Twitter, it's at Impact Sports Management. That's Impact with no A. Sports M G M T. Impact Sports Management at Twitter. And on Instagram, it's at Impact Sports underscore football. And if you want daily content, um, follow my newsletter at impactsportsmanagement.substack.com or you can go to substack.com and just search Impact Sports Management. I write something every day, and uh, I'm there to kind of just deliver some daily content, get my thoughts out there. So um, give us a follow, and uh, thanks for listening. Mike, anything else? No, I think you covered it all. Awesome. Yeah, just looking, I mean, pumped to get this started, pumped to, like, keep talking sports with you, man. Love it, dude. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you all next time. Later. Later.